It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 802 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, October the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find this here podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. As always, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Apologies that this episode's coming to you a little bit later on a Friday than we typically would release it, but now you can just use it as the soundtrack of your long, wistful drives on a Ontario or Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, hopefully, if you're going for a backyard visit with a family, you can just throw this podcast on and get you through whatever drive you have in front of you. I know I'm going to. Well, no, I'm not going to listen to my own podcast, but I will listen to podcasts. This is one that you can do as well that same thing i don't know where i'm going with this sorry it's coming so late on a friday i apologize either way uh we have a fun show for you right now to get you through your weekend myself and chris manning our pal from over at locked on Cavs. you may remember back in the day when the Cavs and raptors were both good and were constantly crossing paths we would do a lot of podcasts where we would just kind of talk about the state of the eastern conference talk about the state of the raptors and Cavs. of course the Cavs stink now and so it's been a little bit less of a frequent thing, but Chris and I still link up sometimes when we need something to talk about. And honestly, with this being potentially the end of the NBA season, what better time to look ahead to next NBA season and the state of the Eastern Conference than now? So on this episode here, it's a two-parter. You're going to get the second part later on this week, probably I'm thinking on Thursday. So that's what to expect. But yeah, this is going to be a two-parter for you. First part, myself and Chris dive into half of the Eastern Conference. Second part, we dive into the second half of the Eastern Conference, just kind of going around and looking at the status of all these teams ahead 
of next season. It's a lot of fun, as always is the case, when Chris and I end up doing a podcast together. So hope you enjoy it. Uh, what to look for next week as well. We're going to do more of the player review episodes. I think our pal Robel, who was on back uh, when we were talking about the draft, he's going to jump on to talk about Patrick McCaw next week, so that should be fun. And on Tuesday, we are going to do an episode with Doug Smith, of course, the godfather of Raptors writing. He has been covering the team since day one, and he has a book coming out called We the North about the Raptors that we are going to dive into on Tuesday. So you won't want to miss that one starting next week. And with that, let's get to it. The first of two parts that you're going to hear over the course of the next week with myself and Chris Manning breaking down the state of the Eastern Conference going in to next year. We're both kind of down on a lot of these teams, particularly the bad ones, I guess with good reason, but I don't think we see a lot of hope in the future of a lot of these bad teams either. So enjoy. We we talk about the Raptors on this one, the Cavs are on the second half, and then a bunch of other good and bad teams sprinkled in in the meantime. So enjoy. Myself, Chris Manning talking about the Eastern Conference. Have a good one. Hey, I'm Chris Manning from Lockdown Cavs. And I'm Sean Woodley from Lockdown Raptors. Chris, what's going on, buddy? You know, I'm doing good. I'm very jealous of you that even though the team you cover, the Toronto Raptors, is out of the bubble, obviously. I, I'm jealous that you got bubble basketball. <laughs> um, very, I, have, I am at the point where I am ready to like watch Andre Drummond shoot three-pointers or some nonsense like that. But uh, we're, we're going to do a little classic as, as founding potters of the Lock the Network. You and I have been doing some Eastern Conference crossovers the last couple of years. Obviously, this is a different tenor of a show from at least my angle because the Cavs are bad now. Um, while the Raptors have remained <laughs> very good and obviously gotten better since we started doing this. But, um, Sean, let's poke around the East. I'm going to you can you can start. We have 15 teams. We're going to do two parts. So if you're listening to this in the Locked on Cavs feed, or the Locked on Raptors feed, like, please just, you know, subscribe, rate, review, et cetera. But uh, you can check out the second part in both feeds later into the week here. But, Sean, where do you where do you want to start with this? We're just Let's just pick through. We'll go kind of team by team, quick little hits. But where do you want to start? Ooh, I kind of like this. It's a, the choose your own adventure. I'm a, yes. I'm a big fan. And, yeah, it, as you mentioned, this is uh, an old staple of our podcast feeds, the Raptors-Cavs crossovers. I'm hoping the Cavs get good again at some point so they can, you know, uh, be interesting when it comes to the Raptors Com- and these. C- competency would, would be like an improvement. Let's, yeah, let's, and let's then we don't have to like 30 wins and then go from there. Yeah, and then we don't have to like overly justify our podcast together by saying, <laughs> yeah. oh, this happened a long time ago. You might not have been around, but it happened before. <laughs> exactly. And then it would just exactly. be a thing we can do, like exactly. I do with like uh, Corrales and the Celtics or whatever. Yeah, it is. exactly. But, yeah. Uh, no, I'm, uh, let's, okay, let's start with. Should we start with interesting teams first and then just sort of leave uninteresting teams for the end? Let's start with the Nets. Why don't we start with the Nets? The Nets are <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. weird and dumb, and they uh, they don't even understand the concept of a head coach. They defy it, actually. You know, head coach is more of a symbolic thing. Everyone's a coach in their own right, uh, if you're Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, I, I'm so intrigued by the Nets and, like, what they're going to do this offseason, like, w- why they are what they are. <laughs> I just, they're, I, I think I tweeted this a couple weeks back. The Nets are going to both simultaneously be my favorite and least favorite team in the NBA next year, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, the Steve Nash thing is obviously really interesting, and, and Katie and Kyrie, both who have injury issues, but Katie is, like, you know, uh, an all-time guy in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm a pro Kyrie person, even though like the, I love that he w- went on IG and like lit like some, um, 
what is it like incense almost as he's like talking about basketball i'm like this is this is my vibe i love this well, that was incense i didn't watch the video i thought he was uh like hot boxing the studio he was in so <laughs> no it looked like that but he he he's he, i don't remember exactly what he said but I, I believe it was like some kind of incense thing but they're also a team that has like a weird off season ahead because like uh joe harris is a free agent and joe harris is like kind of an important piece for them mm-hmm. and you would you would assume then do they keep Karis LeVert? Do they try to trade Karis LeVert? Do they try and trade Spencer Dinwiddie? Like, I have questions about what they're going to do with the roster. It's not, it doesn't feel like that. If there's a team in the East that we would expect to be in the hierarchy, they feel like one of the teams that I would assume would probably, like, have some some kind of work to do. And, and also, look, Joe Harris, again, like, I can't imagine they would want to let him go because he's just kind of the perfect complementary piece to two Paul Dominic guys like that. You just need spacing, and Joe Harris is kind of the best spacer on their team. Yeah, like I think Harris, I mean, he might make a lot of money, so maybe they don't want to bring him back because mm. it would be too much. I'm just fascinated because like the Nets did this whole thing where they built themselves into like this culture team and they were like, "Oh yeah, we just we have the right habits and we play the right way." Although the right way for the Nets when they were bad was uh we suck, so we're going to take a lot of threes and sometimes <laughs> we'll win. Uh and I hated that style of basketball, but it it, it hey, it got them where they got them and they got you know, they, 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 they develop some interesting players. Like, I am not as high on, like, Spencer Dinwiddie as a lot of people. I think he's nice on a bad team. I don't necessarily think you want him being one of your top two ball handlers on a very good team. And I think, you know, maybe he'll be nicely cast as an off-ball guard for the Nets. But also, maybe he's better with the ball in his hands. And that's just kind of his lot in the NBA. Um, Karis LeVert, I kind of feel the same way about. Maybe he's a, even more sort of concerning a fit, considering... Almost everything he does well is with the ball in his hands, and he's not a very good three-point shooter. He kind of reminds me a lot of, like, DeMar DeRozan before he became, like, a de facto point guard for the Raptors and it really made it work. You know, that, to me, seems like what Levert's best role will be down the line somewhere, and I'm not sure if that is going to work on this Nets team. And then you have, like, Jarrett Allen, another one of these guys who's part of this culture they built up, and then they turned into just this star-hunting team, and as a result... They fire their coach who does all of the good things and everyone loves Kenny Atkinson. And then they have have Jared Allen, who's very good, who I have said a lot of times on the Raptors podcast, like if you can swindle the nets and you know take advantage of them being stupid and get that guy, go do it because he's really good. And they just seem ready to cut bay with him because apparently DeAndre Jordan just simply has to start. And that's dumb. And so in a weird way, like the Nets are clearly better than they were before, but they feel far more fragile and the stability they seem to build up has really gone away as they've hunted stars. And I am just so thrilled to figure out what the hell it's all going to look like because I think, A, this offseason, there's going to be a ton of turnover because of those guys that sort of fit on the old rendition of the team and that don't quite fit anymore. And then there's going to be like, you know, whoever is left over kind of has to slot in maybe in new spots like maybe we see like timothy luawu cabarro have to start because they move on from a lavert and that is interesting to me like can you build a team with Kyrie and kd as the two pillars and then have tlc be like an actual starter on a team that has championship designs i don't know they're just interesting they're fun they're stupid they again have uh just like the most uh deep fake deep set of stars we've ever seen and i think the combination's hilarious and i i I don't even know where to begin with them because i don't even know if the nets know where to begin yeah uh well well, in the net section on this are they a top three seed i think yes i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm feeling bold i'm feeling bold on in in october i think 
No, I think they'll be one of those teams that has like a weird regular season where they figured some things out. They, I think they'll definitely have to pace Kyrie because mm-hmm. he's and KD probably because KD too. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I'm actually retracting my my statement, but uh, <laughs> I, I I consider them a contender if they're healthy because I mean, yeah, the scoring output is just going to be outrageous. Yeah. Like I, I think they could be a four or five seed and still make a finals. I'm not, I don't think that's crazy. I just think the regular season is not going to be as smooth as we, you know, it happens a lot of time with these sort of newly combined star combos. It doesn't always work right away. It's not always LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I think with a brand new coach kind of figuring things out and two stars who are a little bit less durable or more prone to, maybe wearing down after long layoffs, I think they'll probably just take it easy and then just be one of those teams no one wants to play in the first or second round. So, yeah, I think they're probably like a four seed. Fair. Okay. let's. I'm going to pick um, kind of a, a bad team because we can talk about them quickly. The Detroit Pistons. Ugh. There are things about them that I, I think are the, – the one thing I will say is that if they can manage Blake's minutes and just keep him on the court – and then they bring back Christian Wood and then get a young point guard. I think that's actually a good landing spot for a young for a young point guard, assuming that if they draft like Killian Hayes or Tyrese Halliburton or something. I think that actually makes a lot of sense for them. But they are the team that I am the least enthused about um, in the Eastern Conference, and I feel really bad for that this is like where Dwayne Casey is right now. I think Dwayne Casey is like a solid coach, not a great coach, but uh, this, is a, this is not the right kind of fit for him, I don't think. No. I mean, I, in a way, I think it's the right fit for him because – like the thing he did so well with the Raptors was take a very depressing roster and like instill habits and improve on defense every single year P- and, people and build a culture. Habits, ma- habits matter in NBA. Totally. Like, it's, yeah. it's very underrated thing. Habits. Absolutely. And like Dwayne Casey did that with the Raptors when he first took them over. So I think it's a good situation for him. Do I feel bad for him that he didn't get like a better team to take over? Absolutely. I don't really care about the Pistons the only no, way I that know. I will be compelled to care about them is if they uh throw the bag at Fred Van Vliet and they sign him and he becomes that young point guard you were talking about um I just Ooh. don't know if I'm Fred Van Vliet why I would do that because like the difference in the money that the Pistons could throw him and the Raptors are probably comfortable throwing him I don't think is like enormous but I do think the difference in playing for an also ran Pistons team or the Raptors who are perennially very good and the sponsorship opportunities that you get as like one of the stars in Canada, not just Toronto is really important. And like Fred's got actual endorsements to think about. He's got an and one deal. Like he's like, I I feel like the sort of spotlight thing kind of matters to him a little bit, or it should. And I do think there will be sort of like a trade-off of, okay, I can be relevant on a good team. Maybe that makes up for the 3 million or so difference between what the Pistons might pay me and what the Raptors probably want to cap out around. So I I don't see it happening necessarily, but it certainly could if they get crazy in Detroit and maybe they're desperate. I mean, they love the eighth seed and Fred Van Vliet could almost get them to the eighth seed. So maybe they'll just fall in love and throw him 30 million a year. I don't know. Uh, did not know he had an N1 deal, so salute to uh, to Fred and Lee. Sean, let's do one more here in our kind of first segment. Just pick a team yeah. that we can just breeze through here and like as quickly as possible because they don't matter that much because these sucks anyway. Okay, so you said you the Pistons are the team you least care about. The team I least care about is the Hornets, so let's talk about the Hornets. Uh, boy, they're depressing. I just can't wait. They are a pivot point in the draft, though. Mm-hmm. They are a real, Where real they pivot pick, point like, in the draft. I believe third. I'll look this up. But if in terms of like, and when I think about them in terms of the Cavs and the draft, they're yeah they're picking third. Um, what they do with three 
is will kind of shape the next couple picks for for Cleveland, I think, and it, it kind of impacts the kind of stuff the Cavs can do. So I'm curious to see what they do. And you know, Devontae Graham's like a nice story, but yeah, that I don't know. How, I I feel like they're just a, a ways away. Um, yeah. But I, I wonder, I wonder of them, Cleveland and um, and Detroit, who tries to push the button and try to like be decent first. I'm gonna guess it's the Cavs, but I'll be curious to see like what Michael Jordan's ownership approaches to to where they're at because they need just kind of like a a tooling. But I feel like at least like they have a coach that's decent. You know, like James Rago seems like a yeah. decent coach at least. Yeah, he's good. I, I mean, I just I don't really as much as PJ Washington was nice this year. And as much as Miles Bridges like has some interesting elements to him, like I don't see a single person on that team right now where it's like, oh yeah, at least you can build around that guy and feel pretty good about it. Like they all might just be pretty good role players. And as good as Devonte Graham was, I really kind of feel like he's like an ultimate good stats bad team guy. Like he just yeah, it's fair. He's not good at defense. He was super high usage on a team that had no one else to absorb usage. And he wasn't like the most efficient. And maybe I'm being too critical and too hard on a guy who made an enormous jump. And maybe he will continue to make jumps. I mean, that's totally on the table. I just, uh, he doesn't strike me as like, oh yeah, just like build around that dude. And he's your point guard for the next 10 years. And you're going to be awesome. It's just, I don't really see that. So, um, you know, I know, look, people will notice throughout this podcast that you have far more many uh, draft takes than I do because uh, being a Raptors fan, the Raptors haven't had a first round pick, it seems like, in like four years. And also, they picked 29th. So I haven't really had to dive in on the top of the draft at all. Um, so, you know, I don't know what the third pick might yield them. I know it's not supposed to be the deepest draft of all time or the most talented or top heavy draft of all, of all time. So maybe they're not even getting that guy they need to sort of swing their fortunes this year either. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's fair. Um, I, I want to see them. I, I kind of want to see them like get someone fun. I, I, and I'm also pro them bringing back. I believe they're bringing back the pinstripe jerseys as like one of their jerseys next year. And I'm uh, hey, I am, that's good. I'm that's that. I'm, that that'll be the best thing about this team. <laughs> get get the baby instead of his Larry Johnson jersey, like a PJ Washington like pinstripe jersey. That's really <laughs> that's really that's really what they need to bring the juice back. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here. Come back and talk about some other teams in the Eastern Conference. We're going to continue on and get to more teams in the Eastern Conference with Chris Manning in just a second, including the Toronto Raptors just on the other side of the break. But first, I want to tell you all about Built Go, which is great for anyone who runs into that wall at some point during the day. Maybe it's you didn't eat enough for breakfast and it's one o'clock and you're ready for a nap at work. Maybe you get home from work and you don't want to go to sleep at five o'clock. So you need something to get you through the day so your sleep patterns aren't screwed up. All of us at some point come with come across a mental or physical wall throughout the day, and you can break it with Go every single day. Easy to take. It's just one and a half ounce packages, and you can put it in your briefcase when you're going to the office. You can put it in your golf bag if you need to power through the back nine, or you can just put it in your pocket and get through the day. Maybe you're going for a long bike ride and need that halfway boost. Go can do that for you. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy, but without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking Monster Drink with a third of the cap caffeine and better results and they have three delicious flavors for you to try out peanut butter honey chocolate coconut and chocolate mint and how does it work so well well bilgo combines energy gel with collagen protein collagen protein is fast absorbing so it gets into your system fast plus it's easy on the stomach bilgo is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work as well like beta alanine b3 honey and a kick of caffeine built go then kicks to keep you going strong with b6 and b12 10,000 percent of your daily percentage of b6 and b12 collagen also promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health this stuff literally makes you look and feel 
better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I'm Chris Manning. He's Sean Woodley. Sean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the team you cover next. I'm going to pick the Toronto Raptors. Sure. Um, they, to me, just, uh, you mentioned Van Vliet. Marcus Gasol, if I believe, is going back to Spain, so you won't have uh, Mark. Mark is no longer in the NBA, and I, that's a loss for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, what is their offseason? Like, what is the what is a thing they could do that could kind of, in your mind, help them keep up, be a top two, three team in the Eastern Conference next year? Yeah, it's weird, man. It's uh, it's unlike any offseason I've seen because there's just like a lot of uncertainty. And usually you kind of know what the beats of the Raptors offseason are going to be ahead of time. You know, there's always free agency and stuff like that, but it always feels like they have a pretty good inside track on keeping their guys if they want them. And I think they probably end up keeping Fred VanVleet. And also I should note, like it hasn't been confirmed anywhere that Mark is actually going back to Spain. I think people just like jump to believe it because like, why wouldn't he do that while Western society collapses? Like it seems like probably the thing to do. Um, And he hasn't denied it or anything like that. It just hasn't been confirmed or or whatnot. So it's still unsure. I doubt he's back at this point. Um, And then you have Serge Ibaka is also a free agent. When it comes to Fred, I think he's top priority. I think he's like a really big part of the culture. He, you know, kind of is like the torchbearer from Kyle Lowry going forward. He's not Kyle Lowry, you know, in terms of quality of play, but he's very good. He, you know, I don't think he's ever going to necessarily be like a surefire all-star. Could he sneak onto a team at some point? Maybe, but he's always going to be kind of in that fringe, like, oh, sixth injury replacement. Fred Van Vliet potentially is a thing sometime down the road. But I think he's, he, he just fits everything the Raptors want to do. And that includes the summer of 2021, where there's no secret that Giannis is their white whale. He's been besides white whale since he couldn't trade up for him in the 2013 draft. And hey, everything can come crashing down if Giannis signs the Supermax. Doesn't seem like that's terribly likely right now. And if, you know, the Raptors see this through to 2021, maybe they miss out on Giannis, but they're not going to get set themselves up for a position where they're not going to be ready to intake Giannis. And I think having Fred on the team, a guy who probably works a little bit better as an off-ball guard. He's good-ish with the ball in his hands. He's had some issues uh, this season in terms of just like over-dribbling, and he's kind of slow to get the offense moving at times. And he's also six feet tall, so his finishing at the rim is kind of but, But, you know, he fits really nicely, in theory, alongside Giannis if he's taking the ball control duties for the most part. And he can kind of spot up and sort of do like a Malcolm Brogdon type thing. And then you have Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and I guess Terrence Davis as really the other guys of that core that you're kind of building. And then everything else is very much up in the air because Kyle's contract is up after next season. I don't think he's going to be traded going into his expiring year just because all the reasons that another team might find Kyle attractive, he would make them very good. He's on an expiring huge contract, all that stuff. That's all attractive to the Raptors as well. And so I don't think there's any reason why they would move off of him. And then... You know, after that, it's just like, okay, well, is Chris Boucher a real NBA player? Is Matt Thomas a real NBA player? Is Serge Ibaka even going to be back? Like, I personally want Serge back just because he's fun to root for, and I like him, and he's uh, excellent at online content, and I want that as part of the team. And I still think Raptors fans 
you know, as much as maybe the championship glow is wearing off a little bit, although as we record on Friday, the Raptors still remain defending NBA champions for at least a few more <laughs> hours, which is lovely. Um, but, you know, I, I would like Serge back. He he would be good. He would be a nice starting center. He or be bringing another backup. It's, it's just it's all very fluid because it all kind of hinges on Fred, which hinges on Giannis, and it can all kind of, kind of break a bunch of different ways. But I do think they're going to be good next year. I think if you bring back Kyle, OG, Pascal, that's setting you, yourself up for a very good floor at least. And I mean, the Raptors have hit their Vegas over like eight years in a row. They're probably going to win 50 games again because they pull 50 game seasons out of their ass all the time. And Kyle Lowry drives winning like very few players in the last decade of the NBA have. So I feel good about what the team will look like next year. I just don't know what it's going to look like. I am a I'm a believer in Toronto. They're the the organization. I feel like just so many the Cavs, especially, I think could learn a lot from. Um, Nick Nurse is probably my favorite coach in the league. It's him and Spo. I think um, Nick Nurse is just he comes up with so many I think creative solutions to things and and the way they're able to and get he guys wails at, guitar like a madman as well. Okay, okay, what a king! <laughs> but he's, they're they're able to just do stuff that is just I think very smart. And look, I I want to see you know it, the the honest thing is real. Um, obviously, I mean, and we'll have, and really what, what Messiah's contract situation looks like ultimately feels like it'll, you know, really matter too. So that'll, to me be, um, really interesting. Sean, where do you want to go next? Uh, let's go to the Hawks. Ooh, yeah, I like, I like, I like this. I, um, Hmm. How do I, how do I say this kindly? Because I'm, they're obviously a little more advanced than the Cavs, but had a more second worst team in, in the East last year. Um, with 47 losses and 20 wins. Um, I think they're going to stink again, Chris. Oh, I like this take. Ex- yeah. it go f- pitch it. Tell me this take. Trey Young's fine. Great. He's the worst defender in basketball. Uh, yeah, he is. Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter stunk. Uh, John Collins like seems like he'll be a very, very good second option scoring 25 points for a team that wins 21 games every year. Uh, Clint Capella, who cares? Uh, I don't know. That just Kevin Herter, he, the, great. Uh, just like I don't know, man. It, they don't. I mean, they have a ton of cap space. I guess they could go throw some irresponsible money around. Like, I guess you could do worse if you wanted to. To then to like maybe throw Fred VanVleet some money, not to make everything about Fred, but like throw him some money, see if he can pair next to Trey Young. I don't think that works the way Kyle Lowry. And Fred Van Vliet does because they're both excellent defenders. Trey Young is so bad. I don't think Fred Van Vliet at six feet tall can kind of make up for that. And I think that would be kind of a misplaced allocation of funds. Like they just need like good wing players that don't blow. And I don't think they have those. And I maybe they get one in the draft. Uh, maybe they get like Anthony Edwards or something. But he's also he'll also be a rookie. So how much can you actually expect from a rookie? And they have like everyone's favorite not good player, Trevion Graham. Like it's <laughs> okay, cool. I, they, they just Trey Young's awesome, scores lots of points. I don't think he necessarily drives winning, and I think the Hawks rebuild is cursed. We're gonna find out a lot about Trey. the The defense thing I think is probably like not talked about um, enough. How do you even fix he... it? He's just so bad at it and yeah. so skinny and frail. Like you can't just like make that dude a good defender. No, I, I think the strategy of drafting a lot of defensive wings is at least smart. And like, although yeah. like the, sh- the shot is a concern, like Cam Reddish's defense is like really interesting, um, for especially coming as a rookie. And like, we'll see if DeAndre Hunter can not, can be not trash next year and, and everything like that. And look, Capella as a rim protector, like, you know, for the, it's not a ton of money, especially right now with all the rookie contracts. Like, I, I think there's a logic there. It's just that obviously you rather would, you would have Luka Doncic instead of, <laughs> instead of Trey Young. <laughs> a little um, bit, a little bit. 
just imagine Luca at Magic City. Um, incredible shit. Just he he would become the Lord. Magic City. He is the the Magic City at yeah. that point. I I'll be it's it's an uphill battle in the East. I mean, I think one of the things we're, we've talked around a little bit is just that I think the East is actually like not good or like better than the West, but I think it's it's progressing towards being a little more kind of balanced in some ways, just because you have a lot of teams that I think are good. Like, I mean, the Bucks aren't going to probably take a drop off next year. You have Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn, you know, like there, there's a bunch of solid teams. Um, and, you know, I, I feel as if that there's an uphill battle for them to be a playoff team next year. And, and, but I, I think if they at least take some kind of leap, it's interesting, but I, I think the questions about Trey probably pop up pretty big if they're just like kind of meh this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Trey Young is going to be like, deemed like a huge bust or anything necessarily i just think you know he's got to play on a roster that doesn't have butt players and uh, i mean maybe it's unfair to dudes who are rookies but they were pretty bad rookies man (laughs) yeah like it's kind of inescapable and and that's kind of where i wonder like the whole we talked about like habits and stuff like that and i do wonder you know you're going through a tank and rebuild right now the Raptors never did that. They kind of skipped that step. They just went from the middle up because they said, all right, let's be patient. Just see what happens and build from there. And like, I know it's very easy for me to say the tanking route, like rarely works or doesn't work. But to me, it just is so much more fraught with potential for failure than trying to build from the middle with just being smart and you know trying to hit your moves. And I guess not every team can do it the way the Raptors have, but the Hawks to me strike me as a team where it'll be like, Oh, yeah, uh, they, they've put together this not very good team around this superstar, and in four years we're talking about, oh, where's Trey Young going to play in a year from now, right? Like, it's just, yeah. uh, he he really strikes me as, like, one of those next next wave guys who just will never figure it out with the current team because the team looks to not be in a necessarily very good position to, like, make a winning environment around him. The sound you're hearing um, in the background here is uh, Brad Roland, the host of Locker Sorry, Hawks. Brad. Just, Brad's just like, God damn it. He's I haven't Michigan. talked to Brad on a podcast in a while because like we used to do them all the time when the Hawks were good. Yeah. And now there's just like no reason. I got to get Brad on the pod again. I miss yeah. it. He's like one of the OG guests. Yeah. Yeah. Brad's Brad's a real one. And he, um, I, my advice to the listeners and Sean, when you talk to him is ask him about what the, the Trey young Twitter experience is like. Cause it's sort of like the ball family, but like a little uh, less public. It's quite interesting. All right. One more break here. And we'll be back for the, the last segment of, part one of this Eastern Conference deep dive. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Sean, I believe I'm up now, yeah? Yeah. Uh, All right. Pick your poison. Hmm. All right. I want to pick Chicago Bulls. Okay. Let's go there. Yeah. I I don't know exactly what to make of them for next season, but I felt like organizationally, Billy Donovan and Arturis is like actually a pretty good figurehead. I just don't know how much I like the talent uh, there. I'm not a Zach Levine person, let's say. Yeah. I was talking about Zach Levine uh on a podcast recently i was talking about terrence davis and looking at like what his ceiling could be and like i think zach levine is very good at getting to being as good as zach levine is hard but Mm -hmm. i think like my thing was 
Terrence Davis could be a Zach Levine type player, but in a role where he's not exposed for all the bad things he does, you know, like it's like if Zach Levine were your third best player, it's probably all right. Like put some good defenders around him. He can score and like attack closeouts and maybe run your bench units. Like that's probably fine as your number one. I don't think you're getting very far. And that's too bad because Zach will be super fun and dunks rule, but it just doesn't seem to line up. And then the rest of the team kind of strikes me a lot like the Hawks almost where it's like, are any of these guys ever going to actually be good? Like the, the idea of Lowry marketing is nice, but is he actually going to be good? Is Kobe white like going to be the most inefficient point guard in the league forever? I mean, again, I'm very hard on rookies apparently all of a sudden and I feel bad about it, but uh, the thing is they probably will get better because they don't have Jim Boylan. Although I will say, I wish Jim Boylan was still the coach because it's a far more fun league when a lunatic like that is the coach. It's just super good. And You're not awesome. wrong. And he should coach some other dumb team. I, like, I, I wish like the Kings would hire him. That would be very good. Oh, my uh, God. I would that... also get Luke Walton out of the league. So, yeah. Yeah. Boylan for Sacramento, please. Uh. <laughs> Hashtag Boylan for Sacramento. I, I think they're a test case for how much coaching um, matters in certain situations. I am obviously think it elevates things, but like I, you know, we're gonna, I think they're a test case in how much like a bad coach um, who Zach Levine was openly just like not happy with about like basic things like timeouts last year. Um, but I guess Jim Boylan can get text. Oh my God. I, I guess outs with 30 seconds left yeah. down 30. Hell yeah. yeah. You'd love to see it. Uh, you also got to see uh, like, does, does Jim Boylan get his texts return on like Luke Walton and Buddy Heald? Like, I mean, like, <laughs> can he at least get like some of that love and get Luke Walton out of the league? Or Bad Buddy. Coach. Would yeah. you want to talk to Luke Walton? No, no. Absolutely not. What his um, what his, what what hit that went his situation Golden set him up, and then obviously LeBron was out on him, out on him like real quick in in LA. It obviously just um didn't work out. But I I'm intrigued you know, by the, the whole Bulls. sexual harassment accusation that kind of just like yeah. never got talked about again. Yeah, not optimal, not optimal. Um, should have been talked about more. Um, all right, Sean, where do you want to go next? I just want to say uh, quickly on the Bulls. Uh, do you think the Bulls are the eighth seed next year? Ooh, um, I'm going to say yes, but I'm not like super confident in that. I think so too. I think the magic stink and, uh, will drop off. And I think the bulls slide up in there and none of the other teams below them strike me as that team's making the playoffs next year. On that note, let's talk about the wizards. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I look, I, um, we're just going through the dregs on today's show. Should we talk about a good team? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about a good team. You pick up the Pacers. Okay. Who should the Pacers hire as a head coach? This is, this is one of the Mm. most, I, cause I, I, I don't, I kind of get why you fire Nate McMillan. I also like Nate McMillan's like a good coach. Um, I, and I have a spicy Pacers take that I'll get off, but who should they hire as a coach? Who I, I, so it's interesting. Like I was stunned when they got rid of Nate McMillan because he seems awesome. And then you talk to locked on Pacers host, Tony East. And he's like, yeah, it makes sense. It, it just kind of, it checks out. Yeah. Um, I, I think, look, I don't know. Coaches are so like, I don't Darvin ham. Who knows? Like yeah. it's no, for sure. I don't know. Hire. Um, I mean, Considering the way hiring practices have gone in the NBA, I would hope uh, a black person is going to get that job considering um, that there are not nearly enough black coaches in the NBA right now. Um, and so hopefully that like David Vanterpool will be cool. I, I think Damian Vander- Lillard sort of throwing out his yeah. support for him, I think hopefully will be a bit of a surge. Like yeah. get some new blood, man. I, I, I don't really need to see 
the rehashes. Just hire someone good who we know is good, and or like who hire someone good who has the potential to be something that we aren't sure of, right? Like there are lots of people who you can, yeah, okay, you can hire Mike D'Antoni. D'Antoni's great. You know exactly what he's going to do. Like why not throw something at the wall and say, hey, uh, let's get uh, someone new in here. Let's get some fresh blood. Like that's this is a lot of teams have had a lot of success with that, right? The Raptors hired Nick Nurse. The Grizzlies hired Taylor Jenkins. Like guys who maybe aren't your top of mind retread aren't like are kind of usually the way I would go. If I'm being honest, just like get creative and stop going with the same old, same old. I agree. David Vanderpool is the guy for me. Just because like you, you hear about him as a culture center development guy. Like I think those are all, we'll talk about the Cavs in the next pod, but um, I think that that's something they're kind of trying to do with JB Bickerstaff is just kind of like have a guy who can build culture. They, they focus a lot on player development. I think Vanderpool's like a really good version of that. And when someone like Dame vouches for him, like Dame, it, I don't know where you're at on Dame. I'm, I'm a Dame hive believer. Oh, Dame rules. I love Dame. Um, absolutely one of the most fun players to watch. Just, you know, obviously the, the culture thing I think is actually real with him. Here's my spicy Pacers take. I've, okay. It's kind of a combo. I would trade both Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner this offseason. I think Vic is kind of damaged goods a little bit. And I don't it know what he seems like he wants to leave. Yeah. So flip him, get what you can for him. And uh, I would go all in. I don't know how much you can make Sabonis and, and him work. I think Sabonis has been better for uh, the, a longer chunk now. And I would flip Miles Turner for what you could get. I don't know what that package is. I don't know where you were, who would want him. I think he's good. Um, I, I would, I would, that's something I would explore if I were them. At the very least, I would trade Vic now. 28 my take coming off the injury everything yeah my take is that i would trade sabonis over turner i think oh yeah what what why do you why do you prefer turner over sabonis i think turner's better for if like he's just a more modern center right like he is a guy who can shoot he's an incredible rim protector like you can build a defense around miles turner i don't know if you can do that around sabonis as much as sabonis's passing is nice and his rebounding is nice like i don't think he's well-rounded enough an offensive player that you can sort of he's like sort of like a cheap man's bam like he's just not he's like a little bit worse at everything than bam is and i you know maybe he's the guy you build around i just i think turner like kind of has more sort of prototypical center tools in today's nba and you could probably get more force a bonus as well considering mm, like good. the season you just had so maybe like that kind of kickstarts your post depot sort of era is you just trade Sabonis because he's slightly better, but maybe the fit isn't awesome. And then you can get more stuff to build around like a Brogdon Turner, TJ Warren type of team where, you know, Turner can screen for both of those dudes. He can pick and pot for both of those dudes and he can block the shit out of anybody who gets by either of those dudes as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair argument. I I would I I think you got to shake it up a little bit and still try and be competent. I think they have they're they're one of the teams that's like got a position of strength. I just don't know. I wonder what the right trade partner is necessarily. I mean, sure you could swindle some of the bad GMs that are still in the league, but I, mm. big off season for Indiana. I feel also, like also don't hire Dave Yeager. We get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, but let's stop with the retreads. He'll get yeah. you're gonna have to fire him in two years because he's warring with people. Like yeah, exactly. How about don't do that. <laughs> Although I never know where to like place blame in the Jaeger Kings thing. I guess it's just mutual blame because both seem odious. Yeah, but then he was there's also a thing when he went to Memphis, like you know, he was like trying to leave for Minnesota and yeah, yeah. yeah there's just don't hire Jaeger. He's gotten his chances. Hire someone yeah. new. 
yeah, I'm I'm pro new blood, and I'm uh, I I will say Nate McMillan was actually like one of the coaches that gives you like good pregame quotes. So uh, I'll miss Nate McMillan in, in that <laughs> sense at the very least. Jaeger's um, terrible for that, I think. So you don't yeah, want that either. Yeah, yeah. Let's not do that. But uh, Jim hashtag Jim Boylan for Sacramento. That's gonna be it or for Indiana. Oh no! I, I know I, I said the, no retreads, but <laughs> the good in this special are, case, I I I, uh, I think too much of Tony East to subject him to subject him to that. Um, See, I think Tony is a wonderful documentarian of the things going on with the Pacers, <laughs> and I think there's no one better suited to detail the trials of Jim Boylan, Indiana Pacers head coach and GM. He's getting both. <laughs> <laughs> Doug McDermott's just like running around, Hell like yeah. falling off. TJ Warren's just <laughs> collapsing. Oh, you love to see it. All right, that's going to be it for part one. We'll be back again later in the week for part two. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.